Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Mark, uh, just a couple of verses, Mark 36, I'm going to dive right into it, uh, Mark uh, 8, verse 36, amen, so what is your, it said, what, for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul, let's read it one more time, for what will profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will it a man give in exchange for his soul. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, I'm asking you, God, to bless the word. God, I pray, let there be an anointing here this morning that breaks the yokes of bondage. I bind every demonic, every power of hell. God, that would oppress. God, that would come against the work. I cast it down. I break his power. God, I pray, God, your presence, your power here this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. One life to live, you're taking notes. One life to live. You know, people p play the lottery and hope to win big, don't they? Uh, you talk to everybody that plays the lottery, and their language is the same. I want to win big. I hope to win big. Uh, that's why they play the lottery. Uh, they think in money. They're thinking that money, things, and fame uh, is a way to go to true happiness and find fulfillment. Oh, why else would they do it? Amen. So they're playing for one reason, but I, I saw, uh, you know, it piqued my interest, so I began to look into this. William Post uh, won $16.2 million just three months after winning the Pennsylvania lottery in, eight, in 1988. Post experienced crime, bankruptcy, poor spending decisions, uh, um, uh, such as the purchase of a restaurant and airplane. Post was 500000 debt and filed for bankruptcy. 1990s. A couple years after winning the 16.2 million, uh, she's filing for bankruptcy, uh, so it's not an answer, is it? Uh, another one, Denise Rosie won 1.3 million. Upon winning the lottery, Rosie's first endeavor was to divorce her husband, who had no knowledge of the winnings. In 1999, her ex-husband sued the judge, declared or the judge declared that Rosie had violated state assist disclosure laws. As a result, the ex-husband received all the $1.3 million. Amen. So if, you're, if your hope is in the things, well, it never comes to your favor. Uh, these, this is not the way to go. Uh, money and things are not the answer, even when your intentions are good. I was reading a story about Andrew... Uh, uh, white taker, if I say his name right, he wants $315 million. He agrees in 2002 to lump sum uh, take away of $170.5 million. He donated most of this to, uh, or a good percentage of it anyway, to, of his earnings to charity, uh, charities uh, and different foundations that would help the low income and, and, and develop different programs. Uh, but it uh, later led to divorce and the death of his family. From there, uh, he, he went into heavy uh, drinking. So even when their intentions are good, uh, anytime you run after the things of the world, uh, listen, it's not going to turn out well for you. Amen. Now, Scripture speaks to this this morning. Let me read it one more time. For all will profit a man against the whole world. What's the biggest lottery, lottery ever? And loses his own soul. What will a man give in exchange for his soul. 
Listen, now in eternity, material things, lottery wins, larger-than-life 401k plans, cars, houses, money, aren't going to be the answer for fulfilled life. Uh, I know a lot of people that chase them uh, things. If I can just get so much in my 401k, if I can just get so much uh, in the bank, and, and we, I know we need money to live life. I'm talking excessive. Uh, uh, amen. Win the lottery. Listen, these are never the answer uh, for, for fulfilled life. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8. Because Paul, the Apostle Paul tackles the issue on how to live life here. If you want God to move in your life, you want God to fulfill destiny in your life, he answers question. Verse 6. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. It says, For to set your mind on the, on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Or it can be read like this. Uh, amen. Uh, to live by the passions of the flesh, or to live according to the wants and desires of the flesh, leads to death. Jesus talking about spiritual death, separation from God uh, and eternity. Uh, so he's saying, listen, if you're going to live by the flesh, you're going to run after the things that fulfill the flesh to give the flesh life and hope, according to your eye, it's going to end up being a big failure one day. Jesus says in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world, nor things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, desires of the flesh, desires of the eye, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whosoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. So uh, we establish the first point. Listen, uh, the things of this world, doesn't matter how much money it is, doesn't matter how much things it is, uh, it's never going to bring true happiness, right? You know, the natural tendency to those that are living by the flesh uh, is to fight against the will of God. Look at verse 7, chapter 8 of Romans. For the mind that is set on the, on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it can not. This word hostile means unfriendly, antagonistic, opposed, uh, the military uh, uses the term hostile to describe the, the uh, behavior of the enemy. So the Bible says that we're talking, the Bible's written to Christians here. So uh, if we decide we're going to live by this world mindset, we're going to get everything we can uh, uh, and put our joy and our happiness in that, uh, we're going to become hostile to the things of God. When you have a hostile mindset towards God, it's impossible to submit to His will uh, and the Bible says we cannot. So the Bible is filled with some examples. I want to give you some examples of people. Uh, I'm talking about people that sit in church just like you and I. We're hearing the word of God. Uh, but instead of finding their joy and their fulfillment in the things of God, uh, their mind is set up on the flesh, the things of the world. Uh, and that's where they're trying to satisfy life. Let's go to Genesis 13. Verse 10, we can look at Lot. It said, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden uh, of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in direction of Zor, uh, that the Lord destroyed uh, be, or before, before Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. 
Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So we learn a few things here. One, when you set your eyes, uh, uh, oh, uh, when your eyes are set on satisfying the flesh, one, uh, you separate yourself from the will of God. The first thing Lot did, remember uh, Lot, amen, Abraham rescued him uh, and brought him along with him in the will of God. Uh, Lot is blessed and favored uh, simply because his relationship with Abraham, uh, uh, but the moment he sets his eyes on the valley, the eyes on Sodom, the first thing he does is separates himself uh, from Abraham, the will of God. And the second thing he does, he tolerates wickedness. It says, Lot separated himself from Abraham and then moved his tent uh, to the valley of Sodom. So, uh, amen. So, uh, we learn from Lot here, listen, when you set your eyes on the flesh for, for fulfillment, you're going to make bad decisions. First Samuel 15. Samuel said to Saul, Lord, sent me to anoint you king over the people of Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I have noted that the Amalekites did, I noted what the Amalekites did to Israel in opposing them on their way when they came out of Egypt. Now go up, strike the Amalekites, and destroy uh, to destruction all that they have. Do not spare, but uh, kill both man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the rest of the sheep, and the oxen, the fatlings, the calves, uh, and the lambs. All that was good. They would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to uh, destruction. Look, drop down to verse 10. So the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king, for he has not, for he has turned back from following me, has not performed my commandments. And Samuel came to Saul. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoils and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. And I have brought Agag, the king of Malachite. Uh, I have devoted uh, the Malachites to destruction. But the people took of the spoiled sheep, oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice for the Lord uh, God in Gilgal. So a couple things here. When your mind set on the flesh... Uh, one, here we learn partial obedience is good enough. He knew exactly what Samuel told him to do, but when you set your eyes on the flesh like, uh, like Lot, uh, you're going to make bad decisions, separate yourself from the will of God here. Uh, Saul, amen, partial obedience is good enough. Now, and two, uh, you bring things of the world into your Christian life. Saul said to Samuel, uh, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, uh, we had brought back spoils uh, to sacrifice to God. That was a lie. He brought back the spoils to put in his own uh, corrals, amen. Put in his own fields, uh, but he got caught doing it, so he spiritualized it. But uh, listen, when your eyes are on the flesh, uh, partial beats is good enough. Uh, uh, you know, and so we're learning some things here. Malachi, or Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Keep the commandments. He said to him, Which one? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, love your, uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, 
if you want to be perfect, go sell what you uh, or go sell what you ha have. Let me show one. Young man said to him, "All these things I've done. What do I still like?" Jesus said to him, "If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in heaven. And come follow me." When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, a couple things we learn here: uh, being religious. Uh, when your mind is set on pleasing the flesh, being religious is good enough now. And two, when you're uh, uh, and when the will of God demands a decision, uh, you walk away sharpful. So uh, it may give you examples here. So much set her mind on the flesh. Paul's talking to Christians. Uh, people are in the house of God. The Bible is written to the Christian, written to the church. Uh, uh, so when you but when you uh, send the church, but your mind is on the things of the world. Uh, what I can get out of that, and and life is going to be fulfilled by the things. Well, listen, some bad things begin to take place. We become hostile, unsubmitted uh, to the things of God. So, look, secondly, believing a lie here. People that live according to the flesh are believing a lie. I had a friend of mine a while back. I'm talking to him. He has a son that <clears throat> went and, and got involved in homosexuality. And good kid, love God. And uh, so I'm talking to him, uh, and he said, well, he believe, he's believing a lie. And I mean, uh, kid loved God, but now he's... So whenever you try to satisfy uh, uh, the spirit by the flesh, you're going to believe a lie. Luke 15, verse 11. There's a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of my inheritance that's coming to me. So he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose uh, in the country, and he began to be in one. Listen, he was convinced uh, that out there somewhere was a life of happiness. Out there somewhere was a life of fun and fulfillment, but it was a lie. Here's a young man, love God, serve God. He's in the Father's house. Uh, he has inheritance, meaning he's a disciple, he's a laborer. Uh, in the house of God, he has things coming to him. Uh, uh, but he's believing a lie, true happiness. Maybe somebody spoke to him uh, uh, from work, family, old friends or something. But somebody's gotten his ear and now convincing him, listen, uh, a life, a true, uh, a good life is out there somewhere. He believes the lie. It ends up broke, lonely, and in desperate need to redress the story. The Bible says, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country uh, who sent him into the field to, uh, to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed uh, himself the pods that the pigs ate, uh, and no one would give him anything. That's a backslider's life, isn't it? They leave to... I'm, a, I'm just going to get everything I want in the world. I'm just going to be happy. I'm going to be so, I'm going to get me a girl. I'm going to get me a guy, whatever. I, we're just going to be so happy. But life didn't end up like that. When you believe a lie, man, here's a man, a young man uh, that had a bright future of God, but believes a lie, and now we see his life here in a pig pen. You know, thank God, verse 17 says he came to his senses and repented. And thank God for that. When backsliders come to their sense of what in the world am I doing out here? Why did I leave the house of God? Why did I 
get involved in sin. Thank God they repent, they come back. Verse 17 said, When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. As he arose and came to his father's house, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. His father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a finger on his hands, shoes on his feet, bring out the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this my son was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found, uh, and he began to celebrate. So thank God when people repent, backsliders come back to the house of God, fully restored this young man, robe, ring, shoes. Uh, that's a picture of restoration, amen, back in the family. But how many don't make it back? Thank God the ones that do, but how many don't? How many people do we know that left the, the will of God, left uh, back, said, went back into sin, they never made it back. They end up dying in their sins, uh, end up destroying their life, and uh, many of them never make it back. Anytime you leave for sin, it's a lie. Anytime, uh, I, I don't care what the world offers you, I don't care how good it is, how great it is, it's a lie. If it's going to pull you away from God, out of the will of God, it's a lie. Come on. If we're going to do the will of God and gain heaven for eternity, then decisions are going to have to be made. This is what Paul's saying in Romans 8. You read it in context. Uh, it's a great chapter, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, because Paul's sorting out some things here. In verse 6, For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So how do we set our mind on the Spirit here? One, we make a decision to follow. If we're going to be spiritual, we're going to have to follow Jesus. Come on. If we're going to have a spiritual life, if we're going to fulfill the will of God, the first decision we have to make, we're going to follow Jesus, Matthew 4.18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, uh, his, Andrew, his brother, casting their net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their net, he called them, and immediately they left their bow and their father and followed him. We know these men became great because we, we, we've read the Bible. We know the end of the story uh, uh, to Peter and Andrew, James and John, because we read the Bible, uh, and they have a great ending. All of them went on to do powerful things for God. Uh, uh, but before any of that happened, they made a decision to follow. They said, we're going to follow the challenges given uh, I'm going to follow the will of God. And in following the will of God, they had to separate themselves from the world. So immediately they left their nets. If we're going to obey God and follow Jesus, we have to separate ourselves from some things. They separate themselves from the net. James and John separate themselves from the nets and their father. Amen. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, they say, family, nope. 
Now go into the outing this weekend. Now go into the barbecue this Saturday. I'm going to church. I'm going to be on outreach Saturday. I'm going to be in church Sunday. Can't make it. We have to separate ourselves from things if we're going to follow Jesus. Second thing, trusting God in difficult times. So they make a decision to follow. Now they make a decision to trust. Luke 22, 42. Jesus, uh, in his most difficult time of life, says he's been in agony, prayed more earnestly. The Bible says Jesus went before us. Jesus was fully man, but fully God, uh, came uh, uh, to give us an example how to be a Christian, how to live for God, how to do the will of God. Uh, and the most agonizing time of his life, uh, he prayed more earnestly. How many times? We have, we have some difficult times in life, don't we? If you say no, you're, you're not telling the truth in church. You're lying to a preacher in church. Bad news. <laughs> we all have difficult times. But in difficult times, uh, the same thing, if we're going to do the will of God, we have to trust God here. And Jesus leads, uh, uh, and we see it again in 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Paul says these words, We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. There were decisions here made. We're going through a very difficult time, very uh, hard time. Uh, but listen, we're still trusting. We're still going to do the will of God. We're still going to follow and do what's right. In verse 16, he says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Uh, for our light afflictions, which uh, are but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. God takes good records. Amen. When you go through things and you trust Him, uh, when you go through difficult life, say, God, I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to trust you. Uh, Paul said, that's working out for your benefit here. Here and in eternity. Third thing. You must worship even when you don't understand. So one, you're going to have to follow. Two, you're going to have to trust. Three, you're going to have to worship even when you don't understand. Acts 1.9. It says, Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem, and when they had entered, uh, they went up to the upper room where they were staying and continued with one accord praying with supplication. They didn't understand what's going on here. They've been following Jesus for three and a half years. He's died. He's resurrected. Uh, there's confusion everywhere, but they made a decision. Even though we don't understand, we're still going to worship. Jesus, before their eyes, amen, he's given them his, their last sermon they're ever going to hear from him on the earth. Uh, as they're hearing him preach, he's disappearing uh, uh, before their eyes. They're not flipping out. I'm leaving. I'm running. Uh, but the Bible says they went back to Jerusalem, went to the upper room uh, where they were staying, uh, uh, at least for 10 days, we know. Uh, they're praying they're with supplication, they're fasting, humility uh, before God. So they're worshiping. So three things, if we're going to do the will of God, one, you've got to follow. And if following, you have to separate yourself from the things of the world. Two, you've got to trust God in difficult times. If you ain't had them yet, you're going to have them. I'm not prophesying bad news. It's just part of life. 
And three, you have to make sure I'm going to worship. You may not understand. See, worship clears the air. Look at verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and started preaching and revival breaks out. As he just said, I'm going to worship God anyway. Uh, as they're in the upper room, uh, I mean, the air is cleared. Peter gets over. I'm going to start preaching. We know the rest of the story. Look lastly, one life to live. Our text says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer is everything. If you stand before God unsaved, you give the whole lottery. God, just let me have another chance. You give everything you've ever collected. You give everything you've ever known uh, just for another chance. What will a man exchange for his soul? Everything. But there will be no exchange. Once we go into eternity, whatever is, is. Whatever side you end up on, you end up going to heaven or hell, it's sealed. The deal's sealed. So decisions have to be made on this side. Luke 16, verse 19. See, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared himself every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gates, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by, by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torment in Hades, or hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your life you received the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us, uh, and you, there's a great a gulf fixed, so that those that would want to pass from here to you cannot, nor those that pass from there to here cannot. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham. But if one comes from comes from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if, if, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one raised from the dead. This doesn't mean that all the rich go to hell and all the beggars go to heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What it shows us, once you step into eternity, what is is. There's no turning back. There's no sending somebody back to speak to your family. Uh, Hey, uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you about hell, but uh, there's none of that. Once we go into eternity, good, bad, uh, it's sealed. And Jesus gives us a true story here. Here's a man that, that lived for himself, that uh, was all about what he can get, how he can live, uh, had no compassion, no salvation. Uh, he goes into hell. He's religious. He knew who Abraham was. Uh, called him Father Abraham. Uh, but listen, he was in hell, tormented by the flames, begging for one drop of water. What is is. Knowing this in chapter 8 of Romans, it's very encouraging. To set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. 
A truly fulfilled life is one lived for Jesus in the will of God. Listen, a truly fulfilled life is one lived for Jesus in the will of God. We impact eternity by how we live here even right now. Look at Matthew 25. Let me give you a couple more examples. This is the parable of the talents, verse 1. Uh, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his, his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, for each according to his own ability, and immediately he went off on a journey. Then he would receive five talents, went and traded with them, and made another five talents, and likewise he would receive two talents, uh, gain two more also. Verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them, so he had received five talents, came and brought a five, uh, five, another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, uh, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Uh, I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. My point is this. Uh, when you labor in the kingdom of God, in the will of God, it's recorded. And God said, What? I have given to you according to your ability, how you use that and labored for that and invested that. Uh, it's going to bring a return. And when you stand before God in heaven, uh, listen, the words are going to be good. Uh, uh, well done, good, faithful servant. Uh, uh, listen, what you've done there is not even going to be close to what I have for you up here in eternity. We ain't going to talk about the one who had the one talent. Well, we talk a little bit. Here's a man that received, uh, but got twisted, didn't do anything with it, and you read in the story, it wasn't good for this man. Whenever God gives us something, what a privilege that is. If God would say, you have an ability for this, I'm going to gift you in this area because you have an ability. You have a, a way to promote this, push this forward. I'm going to help you. And to do nothing with that. Just lay, lay it on the ground. Let people step on it, bury it. Uh, that's what he did. Bury the ground where men step. You know, Jesus is coming back one day. Come on. And then all of you who have set your mind on Christ and the will of God are going to be rewarded. Listen, it's not the easiest thing to live for God sometimes. It's not the easiest thing to stick to your convictions and, and own a, a ministry, even though it's difficult, it's trying, where uh, maybe some people are, are, are coming against you. It's not easy, but it's very rewarding. John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. For not so, I would have not told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be awesome. Where I go, you know, in the way you know. Jesus said, you be faithful, I'm coming back one day. I'm coming back one day, I'm going to take you to the rapture, I'm going to take you to heaven. Uh, and listen, when you come in the, you step into eternity, in my Father's house, you see what God has for you. Uh, listen, uh, it's going to overshadow everything that we've ever went through here. James 1, 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres, 
when he has been uh, approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, Romans 8, reading context, Paul's pleading with that church, live by what God says. Don't get caught up in what the world says. Don't be lied to. Don't be robbed from your spiritual inheritance. Uh, he, he live by what God says. That would be my plea today as well. Listen, live by what God says. Don't be pulled away by what the world says. Don't be tricked. Don't be lied. Say, I'm going to live for Jesus. Let me close here. Life is a gift. You only have one life. We only have one life. You know, I'm 55. I used to remember when I was 19. I remember when I was 16. I met Mona. Love at first sight. Maybe lust at first sight. I don't know. Turned into love. We got married. Got a couple kids now. But I can remember that. Life goes so quick. 35 years ago, I walked into a church, gave my life to Jesus. I mean, life goes so quick. We have one life. How are you going to live it? How are you living your life? Are you living to get from the world and to have? Because when we stand before God, what will a man give in exchange? You give everything. All right, give me another chance. There will be no second chance given. The will of God's precious. Let us take what God's given to us, invest it in this world, amen, to promote the gospel, and who knows what God will do. Don't believe the lie. Everything you need here is found in Christ and the will of God. Everything you need to be happy and to be fulfilled in life is found in the will of God. All right? Let's bow our heads this morning.